Greetings and welcome to the Golf Bank System Podcast 123. We are discussing the Betfred British Masters on the European Tour and the 3M Open on the PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System, and with me we have Golf Betting System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams, and podcast pundit, Barry O'Hanrahan. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Barry, I've got to ask you before we move on. Have you recovered from Sunday night? <clears throat> Do you know what? I, I, I was philosophical going into it. So I, I did I didn't actually call this on the pod last week, but the guy one of the combos of odds and, you know, recent form and course form in Europe was Joel Stalter, who I put a small bet on each way, and then I popped him into some each way doubles, uh, to try get the transatlantic double. Yeah. And two of the guys I had running uh were day and left and running over there were day and Fino. So, you know, from I had two full rounds to sweat. And everything was looking rosy through um, 45 holes, 47 holes for Fino. And then uh, the self-destruct button got hit and it hit repeatedly for the next the, the next 25 holes. He went, uh, my God, what was he, 10 over par or something like that? I heard 12. Twi- okay, thanks. That helps <laughs> even more. <laughs> it was three ahead at one point, wasn't it? Yeah, the three yeah. He was cruising. Everything looked fine, and a little mistake happened, and then he decided to, you know, push the the go button to try attack that course, and it just wasn't the time to do it. You know, you need that, you that, can't co- get... that course wasn't for attacking, was it? No, <laughs> Jesus, no, no, it was not at all. It and was desperately hit the middle of the green and get out of there with two putts. Take the two putts. Yeah, and so at one stage on Sunday. Um, I think day. I think Fina was what might have been outside the places to get the each way return on the double, and I had him on a single as well each way. So, I mean, by that stage of the event, I was just begging for himself and Day to get into the places and just get some money back, and thankfully they did. And so, yeah, all all in all, it was actually a very good week. Um, it. I mean, like yeah, you had just a very profitable week. I thought I was thinking this yes. on my morning cycle today. Is it was it worse to have no one in the mix on Sunday, which I'm getting used to, or is it worse to have a player that's leading and then pretty much ends up with very little in return and just collapses? I'm just talking from an emotional roller coaster perspective, and I, I, yeah. I, I got I got to the final this um, in my mind. The final kind of angle was yeah, well, it'd be far better to have someone in the mix. And yeah. and actually, you 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 you've got some nice returns out of it anyway because he did have the audacity, uh, the decency to get an each way plays for it. No, it was great. I mean, uh, I think uh, to, to quote a cliche, it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. So it's better to have a guy in the mix and that bomb. I mean, at least you get that chance of it happening versus you know um, the week the weeks where any bets I have tank and you're just watching golf on Sunday with no interest. They they're actually good as well because you can you don't have any um, you're not cheering for anybody in particular you're not rooting against anyone which I hate doing because you don't want to see anybody failing um, so yeah I'd rather have golfers in the mix every week and just missing it and still getting those each way places because that keeps the that keeps the yeah. balance and the uh, the betting accounts ticking over nicely and lets you lets you have another full clip for the next week yeah absolutely. 
Visit Golf Betting System with betting previews containing tips, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor model, all available completely free of charge. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. Barry is at a good talk golf. Um, are you are you going to start listing your bets on there, Barry, so that your followers can see exactly who you're betting while you're going through this successful stage? Become an become a become an Irish Jeff Feinberg. Go on, go for it, Barry. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, that's a huge <laughs> name to live up to. Well, Je- you should you should tweet out who you're backing because at the end of the day, all of all of the stuff Paul and I back goes goes you know goes on the golf betting system website. But people don't get a view of who you're backing unless they clearly listen to this the podcast. So there you go. Yeah. As I'm trying to drive traffic to the podcast, you know, by not tweeting, so they yeah, have to come nothing, here to listen to them. No, what, what, when you tweet it out, just say, listen to the podcast for full reasoning. There you go. Um, Paul this, is, this should be part of the marketing meeting, not the podcast, yeah. Steve. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul is at Golf Betting, and I'm at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. What are we up to, Paul, on the Facebook group? Golf oh, Betting oh, System nearly, nearly 5,400. We've had a lot of people come through over the last uh, couple of weeks, which is great. Yeah. So if you're on Facebook, yeah, pop along and join in the fun. There's a lot of conversation, and a lot of constructive conversation, actually, on there, which is really good. We also have the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel. It didn't. It never used to be called that. It used to be called the Golf Betting System YouTube channel, but now it's the Steve Bamford Golf channel because we had to reopen a new one. But uh, come to the Steve Bamford Golf channel. Um, I put a 3M Open video up la- uh, last night, actually, and they, uh, they're doing more and more views. Right, please take time. I say this every week, but it's so important. Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It's the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers. Now, a lot of you have been doing this recently, and, and we pre- really, really appreciate it. From an Apple iTunes perspective, the amount of reviews you get is absolutely critical in terms of their charts and their listings and where you get visibility. So please keep the reviews coming. I always read them at the start of every show. So here's one. The title is Outstanding Five Stars. The highlight of my week is tipping a couple of players for the golf over the weekend. My week's just got a whole lot better with these awesome podcasts. They are incredibly informative, interesting and humorous. Golf betting is a tough gig, but just got a little easier. Keep up the great work. That is from Dave Albany, and he is in the United Kingdom. Thank you for that, David. Thank you, Dave. That's very... Some very nice words there, and I'm glad you're enjoying your golf punting. And that's the key, isn't it? If you're having fun while you're doing it as well, and it's all part of the game. Never stake what you can't afford. Mm. Now, let's start, let's talk last week. Now, Barry, you actually back Stalter, yes, he's a French French guy, yeah. Yeah, you and... a, you actually backed a French player that showed some balls in a final round, and that is a very rare occurrence. So well done for that. It was it was awesome, and I mean, full disclosure, it was nothing deeper than matching up his previous week, um, what he did the previous week with what his result was the year before, and then you know looking at the odds and going, oh, that's kind of worth a little punt. So the little punt went on, and it, it worked out, and you know it's amazing how golf betting can be so can turn out to be so simple sometimes. Other times you can put in hours of research and end up with a, a whole roster of miscuts. 
Yep. You know, so it's just so it's so messed up. Um, but he he was super impressive. Really was. Um, I was just tracking it on the app. It was horrible not being able to watch it. But uh, yeah, I mean, amazing results. And you always expect these long shots to fail when they're you know really close to the winning line. And fair play to him, he didn't. Yeah, no, it was, it was really good. And um, it was interesting because we had uh, Robin C.O. Segrist, who I put up the week before, who uh, dived into a uh, what looked like it was going to be an unassailable lead, didn't he, going to the final day. But, um, and collapsed. Yeah, just gradually whittered away his, uh, his lead and, uh, and, and Stouter hung around. He didn't have to do anything spectacular on the final day. But, um, but yeah, no. They've got... They've- They've got a very impressive crop of youngsters, the French, haven't they? Yeah, there's some good players coming through. Um, it's, it's always difficult to gauge how good they are relative to the rest of the field. I mean, I had John Catlin, who um, is American, um, who was uh, he's in a great spot at the halfway point, shot 66-66, and um, I thought I was uh, going to get a decent run out of him, but he kind of fell away. And for me, he was one of the more... Um, you know, should have been one of the more assured and capable players of sticking around at the weekend, but um, you never quite know at that kind of level, do you? How the players are going to react. So, but yes, um, interesting um, effort from Stouter. Interesting to see how he goes and progresses from here. I don't know if they'll add they'll add that course to uh, a European tour sh- schedule when we ever get back to a sort of post-COVID kind of situation but by god by god that was a picturesque golf course. yeah it's, it's oh, been, yeah. been on the oh, um, been on the challenge tour for the last couple of years it looks yeah. fantastic doesn't it it really it does. does look like a gem so um, absolutely it, it, they, they may well keep some of the depending what how it pans out next year they may well keep some of these um co-sanctioned uh, european and challenge tour events going and that'd be a, a great one to do because clearly it was wasn't a particular pushover, was it? You know, given it was only a six thousand what four hundred yard track, mm. um, and uh, yeah. the winning score fourteen under, it's um, you know yeah. they're, they're not they're not running away with it. They're not absolutely taking it to to pieces. It's got to be some teeth. In as it. as Jack Nicholas said in the television cast on uh, Sunday night, he said, "My par threes are never long, but they're tough. They're very very." Uh, they they sort the men out from the boys. It doesn't have to be a lengthy golf course to be a challenging golf course, um, mm-hmm. and um, that that's a good segue into the memorial. Um, there was quite a lot of heat for Jack Nicholas this week in terms of what he how he let the course go, um, but you know at the end of the day it turned into a it was a major style test and um he let the greens just he, he did what they said they were going to do they they water in the rough the rough was higher the uh the fairways were firm and fast because it hadn't rained you know in columbus and they weren't watering the greens or they were giving them the bare bare minimum and don't forget they're ripping that golf course up now so yeah. they actually started ripping it up during the pod uh, during the telecast didn't they um <laughs> So it's all good. So he didn't care less if the greens got as firm as fast as they did because they were all getting ripped up. But it had to be significantly different to the workday, didn't it? To make to make it yeah. sensible, to make the decision to play two consecutive events on the same track, it had to be significantly different. And it was, wasn't it? I mean, you know, just just watching the difference from one week to the next. I know they tucked the pin. Like some of those pin positions were incredible, weren't they? <laughs> but it shows you that the difference. That can be made with a, with a little bit of wind, um, firmer greens, and uh, and some tough pin positions can turn it into a proper, proper test. Kind of. It was awesome. 
I loved I loved watching it because it's something we see so rarely. You know, usually it's the the heavily watered greens, the fairies not running out, and it just brought it just was so much more intrigue watching guys hitting irons off uh, tees on long par fours and three woods and trying to shape the ball and you know taking on the risk of cutting corners but running out on the far side of the fairway then and it was it was just fascinating and a, a very different style of golf to watch than what we usually are um, offered up each week and you know it showed you know a lot of guys really struggled and um you know made me question their credentials uh in the future for tough events you know we were all i think we were all on Danny Willett and you know you'd you'd almost double down your bet on him you know handling tough conditions on the sunday and that did yeah. not go well. I mean, I, thought, I don't know if I thought it's... it playing to his hands. It, it reminded me yeah. so much of his Masters win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. conditions. I, it, it, maybe it was just a bad grouping himself and Fina. They just got off yeah. to a bad start and that kind of just yeah, creates an atmosphere in the group and yeah. it, you, feel, you feel like you can't escape that um, battle that you're in to try play well or score well uh, yeah. or even just score level. Um, and they just kind of went down, you know, got spun around the whirlpool, and they, off they went. And but there was a lot of a lot of big names um, got taken apart. And I guess when somebody's so far out in front and the conditions are tough, you know, the uh, maybe you relax a little bit uh, in your attitude, and you're like, oh, whatever happens, happens. You know, we'll just I don't know. Maybe you're not super focused at that stage because it's so tough. No, but, but that that but, is not uh, that point where he can just. It's win or bust. It's, you know, mm. A good, strong finish in that kind of field, in that kind of company, is going to be positive for his morale, if not yeah. his uh, bank balance. Yeah, yeah. I sometimes he just gets you know spun around and spat out, and that was that was it. Um, yeah. So look, if it, maybe just chalk it up, you know, chalk it as a one-off for for these guys that we had pegged as like able to battle it out, and they just you know it happens to the best of them. Um, yeah. So there was a couple of players that really battled through well. I mean, uh, Xander started the tournament awfully, but yeah. finished very well. Yeah. So he he's he's definitely one to keep, I have my eye on now in the coming uh, yeah. coming few weeks. Especially, especially. Well, I think I think he's going to be a factor next week, or and and certainly the PGA over in San Francisco, mm. especially especially on the basis of California kid. Yeah. Play, playing some really nice golf, isn't he, Xander? Under the uh, under the surface. Yeah. What do we think to John Rahm being world number one then? Amazing! Yeah. What a guy! To, what a guy to watch when he's in full flow. Yeah. Very impressive. Very impressive indeed. Did you see that picture Take- with um, with him um, uh, as, as a youngster, yeah. as a thirteen-year-old, having his mm. uh, having his shirt signed by uh, Henrik Stenson, which came out of the woodwork. Yeah, it was very good. Um, it's Stenson as always just nails it and says he wants it, you know, to get his shirt yeah. signed next week. So, I mean, his who's like, this tweet's been flying around um, with his stats. You know, his first one hundred events, he's had ten wins, twenty four top threes, thirty seven top fives, and fifty top tens. So half the time he's played, he's top ten. I mean, is he? He should have been an auto bet for us the whole way along. Oh, mate, I can't, I can't believe. Yeah, when I actually just reviewed his stats from the workday and what he'd done, it was exactly the model that had got me the two wins with Cantlay and also with um, Deschambeau the year before. And I just, as 
just totally missed him. And actually, at that price point, that's the biggest price you've seen on Rob. It's, and we keep having this conversation now about Rory. You know, 14 to 1 last week, Rory. You might find now at the WGC next week, he's a little bit of 16 to 1 out there on Rory. The, the win is coming for Rory. We don't know when. The, and that price just kept getting bigger and bigger on Ram because he hadn't been that impressive since the restart. And then I think it was the last two rounds at the workday, all of a sudden the, he was firing off the tees, the approach game was back. And that's been his weakness, the irons. Mm. And he, he just carried that forward, didn't he? And this this narrative that John Ram is a soft golf course bully, it doesn't really pan out when you look at his record. Do you remember when, when he won his first PGA of Tour event at Torrey Pines? The greens that week were like glass at Torrey Pines. It was as tough as you like, that golf course. And he was in a battle, I remember, with Tony Finau at that point. And then you had Finau again, and you had John Rahm at Memorial last week. So there's something in there about a tough, fast golf course suits players like Rahm and Finau. Until Finau had his mental meltdown because he, he was three shots clear. But you, you see where I'm heading. Well, perhaps it's a state of mind thing with John Rahm because we have seen him in tougher tests um, and not have the patience to be able to put at US out. Open, yeah, yeah to put yeah. Forward, and, you know, and that that was US US Open tough, wasn't it? it? You know, we've seen him in those situations where he's just not had the patience to to uh, stick around for four rounds, and sometimes not even stick around for two rounds. And perhaps that's part of the maturity. You know, we've talked about it a number of times, and we've, we've all seen and identified the potential with John Rahm and you know clearly that's realised he's, he's the world number one right now um, and quite rightly too um, but yeah it's I don't know whether that means he's always going to perform well on tougher tests we shall see I think it's it's probably more down to a state of mind with him and if he's if he's relaxed and feeling um, positive and positive in his approach to the to his golf at that time then yeah it's, it's going to be very tough to stop isn't it we were communicating, weren't we, Barry, during the final round? And the thing with Rahm was, it, front nine, he was exceptional. And then all of a sudden, he, he lashed it out of bounds on the par five. On the, the I think the fact was, uh, I'm taking nothing away from him, because clearly he was the best player by a million miles, but he had no one chasing him down. I mean, Ryan Palmer, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Matt Wallace, Jason. It's not exactly striking fear into you, is it? Mackenzie Hughes, well, Henrik Norland. Not when they're that far behind, no. But I, I, now, if if you'd have had, and we'll, 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 you can always have this conversation over a pint of beer, if he'd have had a Rory McIlroy or, you know, a Brooks Kepka in full, full flight or Xander head-to-head head going down the back nine, things might have been different. But let's be, give the guy credit, Ram. World number one. He took the world number one on merit. That was weighing on his shoulders, and he got the job done, didn't he? Yeah. he mm. And that world I, number one is going to be a scenario now where we can have different world number ones. I mean, Webb Simpson be, could have become world number one if he'd have won this one. It's so close at the top. Mm. I think the thing about Sunday was um, there was no possibility of chasing somebody down unless you had that... No miracle match of the guy who was four shots back shooting like the 68 that Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick shot so that would have been Palmer or Finau and that would have been shooting the best score of the day in the most highly visible and pressurized grouping as well yeah. you know the last two groups so <clears throat> it was always going to be a case of his to lose and you yeah. know he he just he, he had got to it like the eight shot lead and that just you know it's comfortable and can make mistakes and yeah. You know, he had his he had his little outburst after he lost that tee shot on the par five, but 
you know, got, you know, I'm sure the caddy had a word and said, what are you doing? Just chill out here. We're grand. Don't worry about it. And, you know, it was all fine in the end. I mean, look, I think we need to have a little word about the, the rules thing was a bit crazy, you know, the, the ball moving. Yeah. Um, again, like the PJ tour flexing their muscles on, you know, showing how well they can apply the rules, but in a completely meaningless uh, manner at the end of the day, because they waited until he was finished his round and he was only told by, you know, done through the TV interview, which I thought was brilliant TV actually to see his reaction. Mm-hmm. But again, they got away with it. It was, it reminded me of the Dustin Johnson penalty at Oakmont. Right. You know, it doesn't matter. They can apply it after the event. They can tick the box and say, yeah, yeah, we've upheld the rules. And, but I mean, what do they do uh, in a situation where he's one shot clear or two shots clear on the 18th? Yeah. They have to tell him. Yeah. So why do they why do they make these judgments to hang on until after the event to tell somebody about these penalties mm. when they could clearly get the information out sooner? I mean, and like, the only way you kind of see that golf ball moving is when it's blown up on the screen. So <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, and the, ca- the camera's moving at the same time. And how can you tell if a ball's moved from like six foot tall yeah. you know, or versus an oscillation? So it's mad, isn't it? yeah, you know, as, as, a, kind of, as an amateur, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even cross your mind that that's a penalty. No, because I can't, but how can you? The perception of whether that ball moves or not is just so hard to tell from really close up, let alone from like six foot tall. And he might just be grounding the club behind the ball, almost like you ground the club, your putter behind the ball, but you're looking at the target as well as it happens. It could easily happen like that. Um, yeah, just just a funky one, and look, move on, you know. But the, again, we're back to this like you know, hyper slow motion, big blown up shots just to find this one little thing. Yeah, it's, it's not the game, is it? And you're right. One, at some point, it's going to matter materially, matter to an event coming down the stretch, and then the decision's got to be made as to as to how that's approached. Because if that turns a one shot victory into a one shot defeat post the event yeah it's, it's, it's not acceptable is it it's um it's got, got to be it's got to be a better way to do things i think no and you're into this gray area then of like you know gauging the player's intent which which is you know and we roll back then to the patrick reed moving the sands thing and then the intent yeah. and then or people laying a three wood down behind a ball in the rough to only just go for it with a wedge then you know um just yeah I don't know, more, clar- more clarity needed on golf rules. What a surprise. <laughs> For new listeners, golf is just a crazy day, a game. Work day open. Ryan Palmer shot 77-81 and was virtually last. And then last week, he finished second and earned himself £1.013 million uh, dollars by finishing second to John Rahm. And set- crazy game, golf. And second in a very, very, very strong field. Mm. Yeah. You won't get that on a strokes gained uh, model, will you? Ryan Palmer <laughs> finishing second. Right. Uh, uh, quickly, before you go, the, the other, yeah. one other person, I mean, aside from Matt Fitzpatrick and Matt Wallace, who both um, both did extremely well, I thought. Um, yep. Siwoo Kim caught my eye, putting well again. When's oh, the next time? Because we, we want him on Bermuda oh. Green, Steve, don't we? So, is it the window? Yeah. Is it, isn't the next chance? Yeah. Should have pre-warned me. Like this. <laughs> I think um, he, he, I'm pretty certain he doesn't play. I'm desperately looking. Um, I'm pretty certain he doesn't play next week at the uh, WGC, which is on Bermuda Green. Yeah. True. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't see for the life of me how he's qualified for that. Um, well, haven't they? But, op- they've opened that up though, haven't they? To well, I'm, I'm just pull in. Chat. 
the next the next ranked players if they don't fill it up from the previous qualifying criteria. It's going to be, going so to be think, yeah. I've not I've not gone through a full yeah. field yet. I'm thinking he more, has I, at the moment he's only qualified for the PGA and for the Masters, mm. um, so he's not in the WGC. But of course, you know he's going to play the Wyndham. Yeah. And I said a few weeks ago, because I tipped him up, didn't I, on Bermuda last time they played, and I said, you know, this is a big week for Siwoo because he's outside the top 125 in the FedEx Cup and he's only got a couple of Bermuda green tournaments left. He then, of course, missed the cut. But since then, he's actually worked out that he's in a bit of trouble and he's two top 20s on the trot. So, Wyndham Championship, he'll be playing that and that is where he could fire. Um, and, but clearly the bookmakers will know that so you could do with a missed cut this week really from yeah, 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 yeah keep him slightly below the radar yeah one to watch anyway I thought that was interesting he to is, see he is to see that yeah. he was putting well again right British Masters take it away Bob. yeah let's let's crack on we're 25 minutes in so um, we need to mm. rattle through this in a 3M we do quickly um, yeah it, Br- won't ta- it won't take long in America believe me <laughs> <you. laughs> um, British Masters uh, it's one of these events that's been around for donkey's years and going back to the 40s originally um, although um, only just been uh, resurrected in the last few years. Great to have it back, though, on the tour. is one of those um, events which um, uh, I look forward to very much. Um, Sky Sports removed their sponsorship, didn't they? Which means that Betfred have stepped into the, uh, into the sponsor's position, which is interesting for this week for punters because Betfred have gone a massive 10 places each way, a fifth of the odds. Um, mm. For all customers, if you aren't a Betfred customer, we have got a deal on the site, which is on my preview, so you can take a take a click through to that um, page, and you'll find the deal, which is for UK customers. Bet ten, get thirty, and thirty free spins for new UK customers. Full terms and conditions are on that page. But Betfred ten each way, one fifty odds, um, is a cracking deal since the next best actually is seven places this week and they've got some decent prices as well um anyway going back to the event itself um since the event restarted back in 2015 we've had some decent winners actually matt fitzpatrick at 33 to 1 um at woven for the uh, the event that rekindled this uh british masters 2016 was alex noran who was playing some cracking golf at the time 18 to 1 he won at the grove over in hertfordshire 2017 was Paul Dunn here at Close House, 66 to 1. Eddie Pepperell won at Walton Heath in 2018 at 30 to 1. And last year was Marcus Kinholt at 175 to 1. Hmm. That was at Southport, wasn't it? Yeah, Hillside. Hillside, Southport, yeah. That's right. Um, He came off the back of four consecutive missed cuts. So if you managed to pluck him out at 175 to 1, then very well done last year. Um, but we're back this year. It does move around this event. Uh, so bear that in mind when you're looking at the uh, the event stats for this week. We're back to the 2017 venue where Paul Dunn won at Close House with Lee Westwood once again, the tournament host as he was that particular year as well. A bit different though this year um, because previously that was the Sky Sports sponsored event and clearly they had lots of fans. There were lots of free tickets available as well. So I think they had something like 70,000 fans in attendance um, for that particular event back in 2017 and clearly there's going to be none this time because of the COVID world that we're currently living in which is a shame uh, it's been a tough job for Westwood to be fair um, you know given the climate that we're operating in given the fact there's a WGC next week in America there's a major coming up in America the week after 
So rounding up players for this week um, hasn't been easy. But he still managed to get a few names in there. Um, I mean, he heads the betting himself at around 10 to 1 Lee Westwood. You can see his chance is fairly obvious. Um, Thomas Detry, 14 to 1. Eddie Pepperell, 28 to 1. Then you've got the likes of Ryan Fox, Ross Fisher, Marcus Kenholt defending, Jace, uh, Jordan Smith, um, all 33 to 1. Adrian House, who's been heavily backed um, over the last day or so. Mikko Cajonan, Andy Sullivan, 35 to 1. And it's 40 to 1, bar those players that I've just named. So once you've gone past the first couple, it does open out quite uh, quite considerably. Uh, Close House, and uh, we're playing the Colt Course, which was named after Harry Colt himself. It's a 6,872-yard par 71 this time. Um, so clearly, they've changed some routing by the looks of it from when we were here three years ago. It ended up on a par 3. Um, when we played in 2017, and it was a par 70, and they've changed it. it, ends in a par 4, tough par 4 this time around. So it looks like we're playing the same stretch of land, they've just rejigged it a little bit, they've changed the par, so there's an extra par 5 in there this time around. But for all intents and purposes, we're still playing materially the same track. It's park and style, um, it's generally quite exposed, although there are a few tree lines and holes, but generally it's quite wide, fairways are generous, um, I've noted it down as a second shot course in my notes. Um, a lot of elevation changes, contoured greens, and the greens really are um, part of the equation here. They are There's lots of slopes and lumps and bumps in them. Um, they can't get them too quick. They have to limit them to about 11 on the stimp, and they are USGA standard bent grass greens, but relatively slow, particularly if there's a bit of a bit of moisture in the air and um, which we will get this week by the looks of it mid 60s and fahrenheit in terms of the uh, temperature and um, sunshine interspersed with drizzle for the four days and um, 10 to 15 mile an hour wind pretty consistent maybe a, maybe laid down a little bit on the friday but thursday wednesday saturday looks like there could be um a, a wind of a circa 10 to 15 mile an hour so nothing too massive but it'll just keep the keep the players honest i think Looking back at 2017, clearly that's the, the event that's going to give us the biggest correlation for uh, for this week's task. Paul Dunn won at 20 under. He shot, and you may remember, he shot 61 on the Sunday to win his first title, um, holding off Rory McIlroy into second place by three shots. He, he chipped in on the final hole, that par three, to secure his title, which, um, which was great to see. I've got a lot of time for Dunn. I've backed him quite a lot in the past. I backed him quite a lot that year, actually, and then contrived to miss him that particular week at 66 to 1, which is, I know we all have our own individual um, misses that you go down and you think, well, how, how the hell did I not back that player that particular week and pulled up? Every week, mate. Yeah, I, you can, <laughs> hindsight's Every great, week. isn't it? Hindsight's great, yeah. and you can, you can pick the bones out of most weeks, but whenever I look back at Paul Dunn, knowing that I backed him maybe five, six times that year, and he was arriving on the back of three top 14 finishes, going to a track that no one else had played competitively for, you know, in terms of this event, for, um, for this event. Um, and 66 to 1, and I didn't put him up, didn't back him. I just still incredulous that I got to that point. Anyway, um, he won it um, on the strength of his short game, primarily. He was first for scrambling that week, four for putting. McElroy, we know what McElroy's game's going to be, be about. It's about to tee to green excellent. And clearly they, they, they play two different styles of game. But for me, um, it's more 
geared towards a player like Dunn, um, with its wider fairways, with its uh, challenges, its slopes, its, its runoff areas around the greens. I think you need to have a little bit of imagination. I think you need to have a good scrambling game. I think you need to be a decent putter. I think you need to be able to um, putt from distance, and I think you need to be able to um, avoid three putts. They're all of the kind of elements that I think are important for this particular track. Um, and that's Paul Dunn down to a tee. I mean, he's, he's pretty flagrant from off the tee, as we know, but um, his wedge game is incredible when he's on form, and his short game and putting is up there with some of the very best. So, although we've only got that one particular year to, um, to dig into, that, for me, is the kind of person, the kind of player that, um, that we're looking for. Might be a slightly different dynamic this year, I guess, with no public to, to stop any wayward shots in terms of... Uh, balls hitting in, into the crowd and certainly not to trample down any rough so there may be a slight more premium on accuracy but we should see about that and um, again for me more down to a player's short game and approaches in wedges and um, bent grass green putting as well which is going to be fairly critical i think um i'll go i'll rattle through my five selections for this event and then we'll we'll See if you guys have got anything to, to add to that in the in, mm-hmm. in the interest of time. Um, yeah. I've swerved the top of the market. I mean, Westy, and you can make a really good case for Westy, couldn't you? Um, 10 to 1, um, he knows the course like the back of his hand. Uh, he's clearly much fitter, and I think he's, I saw him in the news this morning. He's lost two stone over the, the lockdown period. It does look does look good for, for a man approaching his 50s. He's, he's, he's done well, Westy. However, um, he hosted here in 2017. He was second going into the weekend and drifted down to 15. And I just wonder whether, if there's any any issues, any COVID-related challenges this week, whether that will be anything that will impact him, um, and whether the fact that he, you know, he is the tournament host, whether there's 70,000 people here watching or not, um, there's got to be an element of... Um, you know, it's got to be a factor that you've got to build into it at the price, 10 to 1. I wouldn't be surprised if Thomas Seen going to win, but I can't can't be adding him at that price. Thomas Detry as well, you know, again, we could, we could argue about the fact that he's one of the most likely winners in waiting, but um, at 14, 16 to 1, there's a little bit about Detry out there, and I can't add him at that price, unfortunately. I've gone a bit further down. I've started with Pablo Garathabel as my... Um, headline this week he shot four rounds here in the 60s back in 2017 he finished in 26th place overall and he was coming into that event in particularly poor form I think he'd missed four of his previous five cuts and his best finish was something like 65th in the last three months heading up to that so um, for him to improve dramatically at this track um, three years ago was a positive for him and it's these kind of short wide tracks that are ideal for him I mean he can putt Ben I mean we, we've seen that quite recently he won at Leopard Creek back in December and more recently before lockdown 13th in Saudi 7th in Qatar he led the putting both times on the um, on the Paspalum and then the uh, Bermuda Greens of those particular tracks but he can he can definitely putt Ben Grass as well he shot the third round 63 in Qatar before lockdown as well to show that he was in some decent, decent nick. Um, a lot of these players, the ones that haven't played in Austria are coming here um, after three, four months off, aren't they? And it's interesting to know with Pablo that three of his last four wins have come after at least three weeks off of competitive golf. 
and also included in that was when he won in Abu Dhabi back in 2014, which was his first start of the year. And again, that had been mid-January and his previous start was the start of December. So that was a good six weeks, seven weeks stretch where he hadn't played any competitive golf. So Pablo can get himself up for a uh, restart by the looks of his history. And um, he was playing some nice stuff before the break. So I've taken 45 to 1. I've taken that with Bet Fred at 10 each way, which gives us a lot of chances to uh, to get a player into the mix and into the paying places this week. Um, I backed him up with Guido Migliozzi, um, who, as it, to be fair, he hasn't quite lived up to his uh, 2019 success um, so far in 2020, although clearly, like everyone else, he's had his... Uh, Chances curtailed by the virus. Um, interesting though, we saw some signs before the break that his game was coming around again. He was fourth in Oman um, before lockdown, which was a much improved performance. He, he led after the first day. He was sixth for scrambling that particular week as well. And if you look at his two wins last year, he won the Magical Kenya Open, which was a 6,900-yard track, par 71 with bent grass greens. He won the Belgian Knockout, which was a 6,900-yard par 71 with bent grass greens. This week we're playing a 6,900-yard par 71 with bent grass greens. Now, that could be a complete coincidence, or we may have just found the magic bullet for Guido Migliozzi in terms of the course setup that he absolutely loves. And for me, that's enough correlation to, to take a chance on a player that we know is well capable of winning um, at a 50-1. to one. Um, I'll take the chance. He didn't play in 2017. He was still in the Alps Tour at the time, but he's, I think he's won three or four times on the Alps Tour as well over his short career to date. So um, there's plenty to like about a player like Guido, whose bag uh, packed full of potential, in my view. Uh, three players to back those two top tips up with Chris Paisley, 60 to 1. Um, and if we're looking for a player in the short game, Decent short game, then Paisley's got to make the shortest for me. And listen to these stats sixth for strokes game putting for the season, sixth for scrambling, third for sand saves, fifth for three putt avoidance, first for putts per round. His short game has been absolutely on point so far in 2020. Um, he won his maiden uh, pro title at the English Challenge back in 2012 for a little bit of English form. Um, when he won the South African Open, which was his maiden European tour title that was the first event of the year after Christmas for him so again like Pablo another player who has proven that he can get himself up for the challenge after a layoff now he missed the cut here in 2017 and this is very much a home game for Chris Paisley he lives relatively local and at that time he had friends family lots of people watching him um, clearly players can keep pressure on their own shoulders in that kind of scenario and there won't be any such pressure this week because there'll be no one out there watching him other than the other, the other players in his group and the uh, officials and caddies. So um, that may well shift the balance and I expect him to play, make a far better fist of it this time around. Particularly seeing as we saw him play well before the break, seventh from Qatar on his last start and his short game was absolutely on point that week. Uh, Richie Ramsey's another one I've backed. I backed him at 70 to one. He's been... Um, backed by all and sundry it would seem so if you fancy a bit of Richie Ramsey then do make your bet sooner rather than later and I should make a, a point at this at this stage this event starts on Wednesday as per last week so that's tomorrow um, in relation to this uh, to this podcast so do, don't, don't sit on your uh, decisions too long um, 
Richie Ramsey's more conventional pick, really. He was eighth here in 2017. Shorter tracks suited. He won in Cran-Soucier. He's won in Morocco when it was played in that shorter track around the King's Castle. Um, normally, he's a strong tee to green merchant, but his short games look really good recently. Um, top 11 for scrambling on five of his last 11 starts, which is good for Richie. Um, best putting performance of the year for him was in Qatar before lockdown. Um, and could he be one of these players who's spurred on by the Mark Warren success story that we saw a couple of weeks back in Austria? Yeah, I think Richie fits that same kind of bill. He's not won since 2015, I think, plucking off the top of my head. So um, he could be another who's keen to get that W sooner rather than later. And finally, my fifth of five is Sam Horsfield, 60 to 1. Uh, and I guess, like Detri, there's a number of players that you could uh, you could say are, are very capable of breaking through on the European tour. I mean, this guy's finished second, third, fourth, and fifth on tour so far. I think it's only 23, Sam Horsfield. That fifth was at Walton Heath in this particular event um, a couple of years back. More recently, 12th in Abu Dhabi, 7th at the Vic Open this year. Um, you know, there's another that's had results on short, wide, bent grass green tracks and I think this will suit him quite nicely for the year 22nd for scrambling 21st for sand safe 7th for three part avoidance as well again they're the kind of metrics that I'm looking for this week what really caught my eye like Tony Finnell and Barry mentioned last week that Finnell had shot 59 in practice during lockdown um, and then went out and arguably should have made a much stronger fist of his effort last week and over the last round and a half or so um, similar to Finnell, Sam Horsfield shot 59 in practice a few weeks back. Um, that was actually on a par 73, which is an even bigger feat in my view. And he shot 10 birdies and two eagles, six pars, to shoot 59 on a par 73, which takes some doing in my view. So the guy's clearly playing some good golf. Um, and yeah, happy to take him on at 60 to 1 again with Bet Fred. So I've actually placed four of my five bets with that, said those 10 place. Uh, terms Paisley, Horsfield, Narratha Bell, and Guido were all placed with Betfred 10 each way, a fifth of the odds. So that's my five. Any um, any thoughts from you guys? Any anyone jump off the page? Barry? Yeah, um I found it hard to kind of really get deep into having many players uh, on a list this week. Uh, I, I have Richie Ramsey as well. Um, happily on him early doors yesterday to get a decent price. And so, look, you already feel like you're winning when you see somebody's price tumbling. The problem is usually when you get these big uh, runs on players where everybody's on them, inevitably, uh, these things don't really pan out too well. So, But that's not to say I'm not rooting hard for him to do it because he's, um, he's a really really good guy to listen to um you know so look let's see everything you know good player went well here the last time in 2017 so uh fingers crossed i mean another couple i'm kind of keeping an eye on uh would be adri arnaus and connor syme as well um so i don't know if i'll do them outright i'll, I'll figure it out but, uh, arnaus uh, has the, been the, really popular he's you know clearly showed yeah. form last week and Here's another one like Guido, who's um, you know bagged, yeah, packed full of potential and uh, could win a lot of events at this kind of level. So I can see the logic with him, definitely. 
Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a very good player. So, yeah, th- those those are the ones that kind of caught my eye. Um, like what you're saying about a few years there. Uh, but I don't know, it feels a bit of an unknown-ish week because it's the first one back in the UK. Um, even though some guys have been playing abroad, I, I, I just yeah, some, something's kind of putting me off going a bit big and deep on this one. Just see what happens and maybe uh, look look into next week a bit more. Yeah, be a watching brief. Yeah, well, we've got so, you know, it's the first of these six UK swing events, so we're going to say see a lot of the same players over the course of the next six weeks, and um, who are residing in this uh, European Tour bubble. So um, we're going to get a good feel yeah. as we go through these events as to who's playing some good golf and who's who's struggling with the uh, either the situation or with the game at the moment. So. Interesting to see. That that leaderboard from 2017 at Close House, Paul Dunn, Rory McIlroy, Robert Carlson, top three. It just shouted to me, St Andrews. At, you know, yeah. St Andrews, big stuff. Now, if I remember correctly, Paul Dunn, did he lead the Open in 2015 yeah, as an amateur? Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He drifted down to uh, the or so at the end, but he did really well yeah. three rounds, didn't he? he? He's also got a top seven there in the, um, in the uh, Dunhill. You've got Robert Carlson, who's won the Dunhill Links in 2008. And you've got Rory McIlroy. I've been busy while you've been talking. He's got three seconds and, th- and two thirds at St. Andrews. So, so I just think St. Andrews, St. Andrews. So Richie Ramsey must back for me. Absolutely. We're all, we're all on board. The whole punting world's on board. Fourth and second at St Andrews at the Dunhill Links, 2008 and 2014. Another player that I think is playing some really good golf, kind of under the radar, but and and we found we found this in the states. You remember Daniel Berger? Yeah. One at Colonial, big big gap between tournaments. But this this particular guy, I'm thinking, sixth in Abu Dhabi, sixth at Saudi, and tenth at the Oman Open. Plays well in the UK. And his St. Andrew's record is top-notch. 2008 second, 2016, 2017 runner-up. All at the links. Daniel Links, Ross Fisher. So I'll have a bit of Ross Fisher at 33-1. to And there's one player that I made a mental note of, Callum Hill. Now, do you remember when we were in the depths of COVID and there was no golf and everyone got excited about the Outlaw Tour over in Arizona? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Callum Hill won, didn't he? Yeah. Do you remember he won that first event? I think it was the first one he won, or he might have won the second one. And I'm just seeing Callum Hill at 125 to 1. Well, it's interesting with Hill because he would have been the defending champion last week at the URM Bank Open, but chose not to play yes. it so that he could be um, prepared for this week. So that may tell you, kind of give you an indication as to where he thinks his game should be being pitched going forward. So. I did notice that. And that that's, that's uh, I mean, you, that to me was a tree line, short kind of course that might have a bit of, it had undulation in it as well, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this is far, far wider, but, um, but even mm. so, it's an interesting decision for him to make to not effectively go there and defend his challenge tour title. And to to focus on this particular week. So, Barry, do you know anything about Calgorm Resort and Spa in Northern Ireland? Is that something that you've come across, of course? Or? Uh, oh, Galgorum. Yeah, Galgorum. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, Parkland. Um, I haven't played it, um, but yeah, I heard very good reports about it being a very high quality Parkland. And any photos I've seen is a 
Yeah. Well, he, he won there back in 2018, beating Stuart Manley, and he also beat Victor Perez, who was fourth. So, and Will Bezeling, some decent names there. So I'm just I'm wondering if this Callum Hill can hit hit the ground running. 125 to 1. I, I, I won't die thinking about that. I'll have a couple of quid on him. <laughs> could be a good shout, Steve. He's clearly a good player. Right, 3M Open over in the United States. We're talking uh, Minnesota, so the very, very north in Blaine. Um, it's 3M's home city, and they used to play the uh, 3M Championship here year in, year out on the PJ Champions Tour. Uh, they, they, they then invested a, a lot of dollars, and uh, $16 million to get to, per year to get it on the PGA Tour. So they played this last year, the 3M Open, uh, and it was a great tournament, if you remember. Um, it was the tournament where Matthew Wolf won by holding that monster. It wasn't a chip, was it? He was off the green, but putted it, and he, it was like a 60-foot putt, or 65-foot, and he won the tournament. Yeah, I he won... You remember, well, yeah, I remember it painfully. I was on Deschambeau, who'd, right, eag- yeah, yeah. who'd eagled, eagled the last, and you're sitting there going, there's going to be a playoff. Um, so Deschambeau, Morikawa, Adam Hadwin, and um, Wolf were all over this tournament last year. And that's something I've looked at in terms of where these players have played well, and you know, we'll, we'll go into that in a short while. Um, I have to say, the 3M Open last year was a better tournament in terms of depth than we're seeing this year. Um, we've got Dustin Johnson at the top, Tony Finau and Brooks Kepka second favourites at 14-1. to 1. DJ is attempting 11-1. to 1. Not often you see a price like that in a weak field like that for DJ. But maybe that tells you something about this. So... I remember a couple of weeks ago they played the um, Rocket Mortgage and you had DeChambeau at 10-1. to 1. Uh, you had Webb Simpson at twelve to one and Hatton at sixteen to one, and all three of them played really well that week. Clearly, Deshambo won. I think Simpson and Hatton were both top ten. I think Hatton was fourth or something. But I look at the top of the market this week: Johnson, Finau, Kepka, and Fleetwood. And there's question marks about all four of those big question marks, especially about Kepka, who's now revealed that his knee's not really healed properly since its surgery. Um, so. But then once we go below those, those guys, we've got Wolf, the defending champion, Paul Casey, Russell Henley, Harris English, Glover, Watson, Eric Van Ruen, Sam Burns. It's, it, it dies very, very quickly, the depth of this field. And um, it'll be an interesting uh, to pick, pluck out some of these lesser-known players that are going to be contending this week. Uh, TPC Twin Cities. It has been lengthened. It's a past 71. It's 7,468 yards. It's bent grass, pure bent grass greens. The only course this year we've seen on the PGA Tour with pure bent grass, Colonial. And actually, you think Colonial? Uh, DeChambeau uh, was, uh, I think he was top six there a couple of weeks ago. And also Colin Morikawa, who finished second here last year, was second in a playoff this year, wasn't he, behind Daniel Berger. So you kind of see these similarities when you look at leaderboards. Um, it's wide off the tee. Um, it's actually wider this week than Muirfield Village, and Muirfield Village is particularly wide. 30 yards at 325 yards off the tee here on average, the, the widths. Um, that compares to 24 yards last week at Muirfield Village. So they're wide, wide fairways. Um, 
It's also played at a kind of altitude. I'm seeing it's at 900 feet. Now, that isn't... You couldn't classify this as an altitude golf course, but 900 feet above sea level, the ball does travel 2 3% further, maybe yeah, even yeah. 4 so that's something to bear in mind. So what I'm effectively saying is that a three, um, an, a seven thousand four hundred sixty-eight yard par seventy-one does not play anywhere near that length here. You're looking at something around about the seven thousand two hundred fifty mark. So actually, it's gettable to all. We clearly we've only had one renewal, but one thing you do see from last year when you look at Morikawa, Wolf, and Deshambo. Um, Strokes gained off the tee, they averaged 13th between the three of them. Approach was third, around the green 40th. If you're scrambling here, you're in trouble because effectively the greens are massive. Strokes gained tee to green sixth. Strokes gained putting 32nd. So 32nd was the average out of those three performances. Tee to green was sixth and strokes gained approach was third. So really, strong drivers, guys with great irons right now, and guys that can make loads of birdies. That's my summary here. It was also a golf course that we I watched a lot of last year. And I know this sounds crazy because we're in the north of America in Minnesota. But it had a lot of Florida golf course connotations to me. Pretty big greens and lots of water everywhere. Water in play off the tee, water in play around the greens. I don't know if you remember that 18th. But I remember DeChambo eagling that, and he's basically gone full leather out the rough. I think it was like a three wood, and he's landed it to about ten feet over, like two, you know, over about one hundred and eighty yards of water yeah, to the green. So I, I'm also looking if I can get them for players that have got some kind of record in Florida. Some guys that play well on Florida golf courses, that feel, the 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 amount of water that's in play, also. Florida golf courses renowned for their wind, yeah? Open courses with wind crossing the golf course. Um, last year, uh, you can check this out in my preview, of course, wasn't a lot of wind. We're talking 6 to 12 miles an hour across the full week. And that just about took the real edge off the scoring. Wolf won at 21 under. I think uh, DeChambeau and um, uh, Morikara made it to 20s. And then there was a drop, I think it was 18s for Hadwin. But I'm seeing, and I'm looking at Windfinder right now. I'm going to press Control and F5, just refresh it, give it the give it the full beans here. I'm seeing Friday this week up to gusting up to 25 miles an hour on Friday here, and on Saturday I'm seeing it gusting up to 25 miles an hour for the early starters, and even in the afternoon it's still going to be gusting up to 20 miles an hour. Now, I'm not suggesting this is going to be like an open championship or a memorial uh, on Sunday that we saw. But that, to me, when that's gusting and inconsistent between 15 to 20 miles an hour, that plays on players' minds in terms of shot selection, in terms of clubs to use. And also, it affects putting, doesn't it? Because a lot of players don't like putting in gusty conditions. So that's something I've borne in mind this week. And we're quite fortunate because we've got the... Wind variable within our predictor model, Paul. Yeah. And that basically collects windy rounds across the last five years. And we can collate who's done best in wind-type conditions. And I've used that quite a lot this week. Because I actually think for... Yes, you can see 61s here on um, 
Thursday. You can see 61-62s for a couple on Sunday. But I'm kind of fancying that 67-68 is a decent score across Friday and Saturday here. Where it, that could be kind of the best score of the day. Because you know, when it's gusting up to 20 miles an hour, that's a, that's a problem for a lot of players this week. So one of the things I did look at was wind-positive players. And I'll, I know a lot of listeners don't use our predictor model. It's completely free of charge. You can come across the golf bank system and use it. I'll just take you through the top 10 on the wind-predictor model, yeah? Dustin Johnson at one. None of you, you two won't be surprised by that. Two, Charlie Hoffman. Three, Russell Henley. Four, Luke List. Five, Charles Howe. Six, Griot. Seven, Knox. Eight, Kepka. Nine, Pat Perez. Pat Perez likes birdies, doesn't he? Uh, he's also tied with Ryan Moore. Then we've got the likes of Scott Piercy, Harris English, Siwoo Kim, who you mentioned earlier, Paul. Tony Finau. They're the top 14 of the wind stats on our wind variable on the predictor model. So I just thought that I'd throw that in the mix. For me, 36 holes of this is going to be a lot tougher than the other 36 holes. And you don't really want a player that can't handle wind, a bit like Adam Hadwin, who'd be blown totally off the course when it's blowing hard. So just one for mental note. Uh, not a lot of value. Um I tend to get carried away at these tournaments. It has to be said. I tend to go in with a, oh, I'm not going to really spend a lot of my stake this week and end up, there's, it's almost like a kid in a, in a sweet store. Um, a few that I did like but haven't tipped up. I think Sam Burns is likely to go very, very well. Uh, I think Burns was 50 to 1 yesterday. Uh, didn't he go out in the final group at work there a couple of weeks ago at Muirfield Village? Yeah. 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 We met, I remember when he hit the scene, he did really well in those tournaments at Bay Hill and also PGA National in Florida. So there's, there's lots to like about Burns. I didn't choose him, so uh, don't fall into that trap, ladies and gentlemen. Um, another player I do like the look of at a bigger price would be Tom Lewis. Now, I know that he's European tour, Paul. You know him far more about him than I do. But one thing I've always learned from you and what you said about Lewis, wide fairways... And a lower scoring event, bent grass, yep. right in Definitely. his wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah think, think, think Portugal Masters, and you, you're pretty much on, yes. the, uh, on the money. Now, I think he was top 12 in Detroit a couple of weeks ago, which was by far his best showing on the PGA Tour. And I think he'll take something from that. He's way outside the 125 on the FedEx Cup. I think this week is a big opportunity for Tom Lewis. Um, I don't think think he'll have any links i'm just checking as i'm mumbling here no he's in the u.s open he's not in the wgc next week so you might find lewis this week and you might find he has to play the barracuda championship next week those could be two to keep an eye on tom lewis um i was quite smitten on tom but he didn't make it i went for the following uh, at shorter prices, I've gone for Russell Henley, who we know loves Florida golf courses. Um, tee to green at the moment is fantastic. 33 to 1 isn't the best price in the world. But the last time he won, 2017 in Houston, he was a 40 to 1 shot in another one of these tournaments that was kind of a smattering of quality at the top and not much under that. So Henley, one and a half points each way at 33 to 1. I got with William Hill eight places yesterday. 
Um, if you find a better ball striker at the moment than Russell Henley, um, you, you're doing very, very well. The other one that we've mentioned so, so much since the PJ Tour season started last uh, September is Harris English. I don't. I'm not prepared to get off the English train either. Just playing some really outstanding golf, and he was in the top uh, 13 last week at Muirfield Village. Interestingly enough, when well, you know, we were sitting and watching it last week, Barry. When a lot of those players were getting blown off the course, Harris English shot a nice level par 72, and that to me says everything about Harris. He's steady, good off the tee right now. He was. He was. I think he was top 15 last week, strokes gained off the tee, which is, tends to be English's weakness. So if he's hitting the ball well off the tee, we know that his approach play is fantastic and he's a great win player. English is decent in the wind. Past 71, I don't mind that with English either. I, th- I think he's a, he's a good, good shout this week. I've got 35 to 1 on English. Are there anyone, I know that you guys don't fancy the top of the market when we come to a lot of these tournaments. Is there anyone in that kind of price range that you want to just highlight before I move on? Um, Sub 40s? Not, not that low, no. no. Yeah, I, can, the only player that caught, I, I, I wouldn't say caught my eye, but made me think was whether Matthew Wolfe would, um, would do well defending. And I see he's been backed in quite a lot. And clearly, he. Um, he, he had a decent performance a few weeks back, didn't he? Finish from our out. Oh yeah, he played well last week, didn't he? Well, close to tempting me, but like Barry, I've not taken anyone in that kind of bracket this week. The only thing that put me off Wolf slightly was he played. He shot four under on uh, Friday at Memorial. He was he was quite a way up there, and then all of a sudden the wind blew, and he was seventy six on the um, seventy six on Sunday. Now I'm not suggesting that Memorial. In windy conditions, it's going to be anything like this. But I'm not. I don't. We'll find out how good a wind player is. Um, it is going to be warm. It isn't going to be kind of that chilling, cutting wind. But I still say anything gusting twenty plus is going to sort a few players out this week. And at Wolf, it could you know twenty five to one. Not sure. I want to ask you two about a player, and I want to ask this for our listeners' sake because we get a lot and lot of listeners here from the United States. You two watch a lot of European Tour golf. You have done for many, many years. Talk to me, strengths and weaknesses about Eric Van Ruen. Eric Van Because he is, he is hugely popular this week. Mm, yeah. uh, main, main, mainly on the basis. He's playing quite well. And also, he had a, min, a Minnesota um, education. So, he's, he's clearly um, very popular at this part. And I'm sure that he's played the golf course quite a lot. Yeah. Um, what what do you what do you two guys make of Eric Van Ruen? Yeah, he has been backed in quite heavily, isn't he? That's just a sea of blue that I'm I'm looking at. I, I yeah. don't know. I I got to the point with Van Ruen on the um, European tour where I couldn't really contemplate backing him because he was so short relative to his um, ability to convert. I don't think his I don't think his uh, ability um, as a golfer is in any doubt. He's got I don't think there's, there's not a part of his game that I'd say is his weakness. He's, he's long off the tee. When he plays well, he's accurate. When he plays well, he hits lots of greens. Um, he's a very good putter when he's playing well. Um, but you don't necessarily get all of those aspects in the same week. Um, and he was one of those players who was, um, you know, you'd class him as a perennial bridesmaid, I guess, on the European tour. And until he eventually got over the line in... Um, Sweden, wasn't it? The uh, yeah, the Scandinavian invitation. 
that again, you know, you talk about Detri, you talk about these players who, um, once they get over the line, you expect them to push on, and perhaps that with Van Ruen will ultimately be the, the springboard that sees him push on to bigger and better things. I mean, he has played well this year, hasn't he? Finished third at the WGC Mexico. in Mexico, yeah. Yep. Which, yeah, yep. you, you can't you can't knock that. I think that's, that's, that's a very good performance. And we saw him back at the Open Championship a couple of years ago at Carl Neusti, I think it was, wasn't he? Who, um, was in a, in a decent position up until the final round and kind of drifted away a bit. For me, I guess it's... And the price has been... Push this week, well, there's still a little bit of 40 to 1, but generally he's going to go off at a circa 33s by judging where his market or where his price is going at the moment. He just doesn't win for me enough to justify backing him at that price. Um, mm. One European tour win, I think he only won once on the Sunshine Tour prior to that as well. Which, um, for a player who has got every element to his game that Van Ruen has, he should be converting more. For me, if you to put it in a nutshell, um, I think the problem is probably more between the years with Eric than it is um, with his games. I think he's actually got an awful lot of game, but he may he may develop and grow, and um, he may how, he may mature. How many times have I said to you guys, wouldn't it be great to have a strokes gained between the ears? <laughs> <laughs> strokes gained between the ears, top five. Yeah. Well, anything to add to that, Barry, about Eric? I know you've been impressed with him in the past. Yeah, um, no super player. And I, I kind of tend to associate his really good performances with, <clears throat> you know, that kind of linksy style or firm and fast golf courses. He tends to perform quite well on them. Um, a lot of good performances in the Middle East. Um, seen him pop up in uh, the Irish Open. Um, so. Yeah, that's kind of where I have him pegged. Although the Scandinavian Invitational was, uh, was Parkland, that? wasn't it? Was it Parkland? It yeah. was Parkland. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so that kind of throws my uh, initial theory out the window. Look, he's a super player, has skills and you know, really good skills in all the departments, mm. and I think it's I maybe suspect it is that strokes game between the ears that is the thing. Um, <laughs> he does have that. He he has you know you see that kind of mental for you know not fragility but um susceptibility to the pressure you know getting to his game when he's been in those situations and he he really for his talent levels he yeah. really ought to have won more than he has maybe one maybe two more but um yeah i mean super super player to watch and it'll be interesting to see how he goes this week i mean it he, will he's got, got that inherent pressure already uh, applied because he's going back to somewhere he's expected to go well mm. so we haven't seen him yeah in in the heat not, of a battle a no on us on a sunday and the pga on the pga tour yeah have we eric so it'll be interesting to see if he can get into that position how he actually gets on with it um mm. so thanks for that i think the i think the uh, especially the american listeners will, will appreciate that um Sixty-six to one shot next for me. I took Will Gordon. Now, some of you might be aware of Will. He was the guy that finished like an absolute train, and had a great tournament. Full stop at the Travelers a couple of weeks ago. Finished in third spot, and that was absolutely loaded. The Travelers that week, it was packed. Far, far stronger than this. 
Um, he has qualified now for special temporary membership of the PJ Tour on the back of sponsors' invitations. And we haven't seen that many times, have we? I can always remember Jordan Spieth in 2013 doing that. So this guy is clearly a prestigious talent. Uh, last year, of course, we had a scenario where we had Hovland, we had um, Morikawa, and we also had Wolf doing exactly the same, playing off sponsors' exemptions and all grabbing cards. So, you know, it's something we're seeing more and more of, and Gordon's done it now. 10th at Sea Island, 21st at Torrey Pines, 20th at Puerto Rico, 3rd at River, TPC River Highlands at the Travellers. He shot a second round, 62. He led the field that week for birdies with 27. Um, and I see, when I look at his ha- amateur record, you can look at the full detail. We haven't got time. Full detail on my preview, which is available, of course, at Golf Betting Systems. Also, I'll put a link in the description box. Um He's he's got a lot of links to both Wolf and to Morikawa just on tournaments that he played as an amateur in a, in California, also upstate in America in Rhode Island. There's also an absolute beauty. He won the Tavistock Intercollegiate Invitational in 2018, which is played at Isleworth Golf and Country Club in Orlando, Florida. That is a uh, Palmer golf course this is an Arnold Palmer original design this week that is an Arnold Palmer design and that golf course has also seen Colin Morikara go really well so there's a lot of link between Gordon and Morikara this week the other thing about Gordon got a lot of length off the tee and I, I don't mind that this week someone that can hit the ball a long way As lo- we'll, we'll find out if he can play in the wind though that's you know one of these things that we'll certainly find out this week if the weather forecast holds and then two at bigger prices Charlie Hoffman. I'm following the bear this week, chaps. Charlie Hoffman. Um, he's just starting to play nice golf. Four-time winner on the PJ Tour. Two of those wins have come on Arnold Palmer Designs. Throw some wind in the mix. Throw a course that might be... So- there might be some wind, uh, some rain Tuesday afternoon on the golf course. They're going to be watering these greens they just will. It's the PGA Tour. These these greens with wind in the forecast are going to be as soft as they can be. I think Hoffman could go really well last week. Uh, this week, he shot 68, 68, 67 his last three rounds at Muirfield Village. That that boosted him up to a backdoor seventh. He was also twelfth after fifty four holes at TPC River Islands at the Travellers and fell away. And one thing we know with Charlie. He has to keep banging his head against the wall. He'll fall away or fall away, and eventually he'll stick in a contending position. I think it could be this week with Hoffman. 80-1 to 1 with William Hill, eight places. And finally, I said about Florida golf courses, I said about players with a good bit of oomph off the tee. I remember last year, um, a lot of people were on Wyndham Clark, who bangs it an absolute country mile and actually putt a little bit. I think Keith Mitchell is the same kind of player and if we know one thing about Keith Mitchell, yes, he's better on Bermuda grass. But actually, give him a golf course that looks like a Florida golf course and give him um, a golf course he can attack with his prestigious length off the tee. We know he's a great putter, and that's still the case. He's been putting very well recently. I think Mitchell, a 125-1 to one shot. I've got eight places again with William Hill. I think he could go very, very nicely this week. He won the... 2019 Honda Classic at PGA National, which has to be the toughest Florida golf course there is. And also fifth and sixth at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which clearly 
is Arnold Palmer's masterpiece in Orlando, Florida. Mm. Um, he's also got some decent form upstate when you look at his Corn Ferry promotion year. Sixth in Ohio. Um, he was also sixth at the Canterbury Golf Club, which is Breachwood, Ohio. Um, and that golf course was the go- the course that uh, the DAP Championship, which is where Bryson DeChambeau won his Corn Ferry um, title, which, of course, he almost won here last year. So I think there's a good, good narrative this week with Keith Mitchell at 125 to 1. So I've gone for Mitchell. I'm following the bear with Charlie Hoffman, Will Gordon. I've got Harris English and Russell Henley. Who are you guys going out at juicy prices? Uh, I have, I picked, you were talking with Tom Lewis earlier, so he's made my bet list, not my, yeah. uh, not my castaway list. Um, nah. I've also backed uh, Troy Merritt, yeah. who missed the cut last week, but has been playing some very nice stuff recently and coupled with the seventh at this event last year. Uh, I got him at something like 70 to one. So happy with that. And uh, my old friend Seamus Power is back in the back in the field this week, and had some good fun with them there a few weeks ago. So how's he? How's uh, he been? How's he been whacked on price from six hundred to one? Uh, quite heavily, unfortunately. Yeah, he's down to two hundred to one, which is not great. So, it's but not listen, bad though, is it? no, no, he still take it. So I, take I've just <laughs> yeah, 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 I'd be okay. Be like. It wouldn't be bad. Yeah, it wouldn't be bad. So I've 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 gone with the uh, the first round leader and the outright combo on Seamus, mm. and um, also have added Charlie Hoffman first round leader because of Charlie Hoffman's propensity for first round leader yeah. um, hot stuff. You know what that you know what that means, don't you? Charlie Hoffman first round leader, and then he's going to finish tie for ninth on Sunday. Yep. You can see <laughs> yep. that coming a mile off. Oh, it's just it's written right. in the stars. Yeah, you're, you're going to have to ban me, Barry, from backing him first round leader this week, and, 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 and really screwing that bet. Uh, that's funny. I like that. Yeah, I, I like I like those guys. I like those guys a lot. What about you, Paul? Um, I'm on Troy Merritt as well, Barry. So we're either going to be happy Sink or, or swim together. Sad together, yes. I think I think there's a lot to like with Troy. I think this will suit him much more than it did last week. Um, with the conditions last week. As you said, he's, uh, he's 22nd week before at the work day and then 8th week before at the Rocket uh, Mortgage. So some decent stuff there. First full round um, performance he was that week at the, um, the Rocket Mortgage. So lots to like, um, given the fact that he was sent here in Detroit last year. He grew up in the Midwest in Iowa. So he fits the bill. And yeah, like you said, top seven last last year here, wasn't he? And it... Uh, he, I, I had a bet with him a few weeks ago, and he was he was there or thereabouts. He's been playing some nice golf, yeah. golf merit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Get that. I, I know you wouldn't be able to resist uh, Seamus Power. The other one that caught my eye was Derek Ernst, who's been playing some nice stuff Ernst. on the Corn Ferry, two hundred and fifty to one. The other one I've backed though is Ryan Armour, who I was on a couple of weeks. Your back. old mucker. Yeah, I mean, this is on the strength really of the the fact that you were saying that the ball strikers tended to come to the four. Um, a couple of years or, or last year and I think that's uh, that's exactly where his game is sixth at the Travellers uh, fourth at the Rocket Mortgage 90 to 1 at the moment but been putting very nicely as well over those two events which is a bit of a revelation for Ryan Armour he opened with a 66 here last year was ninth after the first day before 
drifting away to 42nd, but I'll take a chance on Ryan at 90 to 1. Um, and of course, Matt Every's in the field, so I've uh, got to have a first round leader punt on Matt this week. So you're not going first round leader on the bear? I haven't done yet, but I, I, I'd be. Um, I will. I think is the answer to that. Um, I, I do like um, Hoffman first round leader generally, yes, but um, I, I, I can't get away from every. So prepare, prepare for him to yeah. shoot either 62 or 82. Peter Uline caught my eye as well before we disappear. His record yeah. in Ohio, which is a Midwest state, yeah? Ninth at the Children's Hospitals and first. That's played at um, Ohio State Golf Club, which is... You actually look at the, the, you look at the golf courses they play on the uh, Corn Ferry. That is the most classical, toughest golf course they play. And he's also fifth at the Memorial in 2018. He's playing some decent stuff when he gets the chance to play on the main tour, Peter Uline. And we've said, you know, bang. I know this is a big, big ass, but he played really well in Paris one day the year at Le Golf National. So all of the water and that kind of Florida, in, I get the feeling he might go well this week, you know, Peter Uline. Yeah, never quite know. He's, he's quite an erratic player. No. He, can, he can be awful off the tee, can't he? Or he can... Uh... He can, he can find his long game and, uh, and, and he's a very, very good putter when he gets his, He is a good putter, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm, if he could actually link it all together this way, I know it's a big if, I think Uline could uh, pop up on a leaderboard. And again, he's another one who you'd consider for a first-round lead because when he can find that uh, long game for even 18 holes, he, he can be quite devastating mm. with a putter and make a lot of birdies. Mm, absolutely. Options. Right, that's us. We're done. Thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. I wish, as ever, I wish you good luck on your bets this week. Yeah, good luck, everyone. Yep, good luck, everyone. Good luck. Let's get, to... some, let's get some wins in. Yeah. yeah, it'd be nice. It would be nice. Good luck to listeners. And uh, as I say at the top of the show, if you could uh, leave us a review, if you've made it this far, that is the least you can do, I think. Leave us a review. Uh, we would really appreciate it. We'll be back. We're packed next week, aren't we? We've got... What's the event in uh, England next week, Paul? Oh, they've renamed it. It's the Hero Open. So, uh, Forest of Arden, I think it is next week. For- Forest of Arden. We've got the Barracuda Alternate PGA Tour event. And we've also got the World Golf Championship at St. Jude Invitational. Three tournaments next week. It's going to be busy. We look forward to talking to you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.